on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Only a couple days away from Auburn's big road contest against the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're going to dive into more of that analysis on today's edition of On the Line, as well as we've got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer, joining us at 3.30 p.m. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Doing great, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. And let's get into it. Back talking about Auburn, Arkansas coming up on Saturday. This seems to be a pivotal matchup for the Auburn Tigers. We've talked about this in several matchups this season. Yet another what seems to be make or break game for Auburn. Absolutely. Yeah. And you look at Auburn right now, four and two. They still have everything out laid out in front of them. They can still potentially win the SEC West. If they win out and they beat Alabama, they can still afford to lose another game. But you don't want to lose another game if you're Auburn you want all the insurance you can get this matchup against Arkansas Ole Miss a couple of weeks from now down the line these two games are going to be incredibly important to kind of get a feel for where Auburn is truly in these SEC West standings can they compete with the Arkansas and the Ole Misses of the world can they shut down these really potent offenses both of them play uh, I feel like similar similar styles and at the same time they play very differently but again this is an important game for Auburn to kind of just feel out whether or not they truly can compete down the line against the likes of Alabama at the end of the season. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text box at 334-564-1840. That's how you can reach us on the line for any questions, comments, takes, whatever you've got for us in the sports world. Give us a call or shoot us a text. The number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Let's get into a little bit more in-depth analysis about this ball game on Saturday. What is the pivotal matchup for you in the Auburn-Arkansas game? I think we touched on this uh, quite a bit on yesterday's show, and I'm just going to reiterate kind of what I felt uh, going into this game again. I think it's Auburn's ground game against Arkansas's rush defense. Auburn has two of the best running backs in the country in terms of tandems. They have two, one of the best tandems, if not the best tandem in the nation. Auburn's second in the SEC in yards per attempt. They're fourth nationally in yards per attempt. I believe it's just behind Florida. I may be mistaken. Arkansas is 12th in the SEC in yards allowed per attempt at 4.48. So when you look at this matchup between Auburn and Arkansas, Auburn has hit the home run ball consistently with their running backs. They just have churned out yards. Arkansas, on the other hand, and this really shows in these past two games for the Razorbacks against Georgia and against Ole Miss, they've not been able to stop the big boys up front 
and that it's allowed these te- these opposing teams, Georgia, Ole Miss, to just kind of run all over them. You look at Auburn's offensive line, you look at the way that they play, the, the, the talent that they have on that side of the ball. I feel like you mentioned it a lot yesterday, Noah. Auburn recruits a little better than Arkansas does. And so the big guys up front are probably going to have similar success as to what Ole Miss and Georgia did. I think Auburn getting their ground game going in this matchup early is really important for Auburn's offense to sustain drive and to open up a passing game that is currently struggling. Piggybacking off off of that, Arkansas against Texas A&M is another game that I think we should be looking at, a game where Arkansas still gave up 197 rush yards. That's their lowest total over the last three games that they've played in. Considering against Georgia, they gave up 273, and against Ole Miss, they gave up 324. So it's slowly gotten worse for Arkansas. But at the same time, the running ability of those teams has gotten better each week also. But I think you go back to that Texas A&M game, and if you've got concerns about Auburn's passing game, if you rewind three weeks ago when Arkansas and Texas A&M played, I think Texas A&M should have had as much concern about their passing game as anybody in the country Talk about being one-dimensional. That was Texas A&M going into week four. And the Aggies, while they did average four yards per carry, they were able to get up to nearly 200 rushing yards. We talked a lot yesterday about what if this Arkansas team that has traditionally opted for seven defensive back sometime Sometimes six defensive backs that really don't put it, they, they don't favor to put a lot of linebackers on the field. Oftentimes they're in six or seven defensive back formations. Because of those personnel decisions, that has left them shorthanded against the running game in the box. But we asked ourselves this question other teams have stacked the box against our Auburn. Will Arkansas elect to do the same thing? And at this point, Based off of that Texas A&M game and how one-dimensional they were, A&M was still able to get theirs on the ground regardless of what Arkansas decides to do. Whether they stack the box or not, I still think Auburn should be able to get theirs on the ground. 5.3 yards per carry for A&M in that game against Arkansas. And A&M's currently 80th nationally in rushing yards per game. I agree with you. I think Auburn should be able to get their own in this game. Arkansas has also given up 14 rushing touchdowns, second worst in the SEC, right in front of Missouri, which is one of the worst rush defenses in the entire nation. Arkansas, 98th in rushing yards allowed per game. Auburn's 30th in rushing yards per game, 6th in the SEC, just a little over 200 yards per game for for the Auburn Tigers. It's not a, I think Tank is going to pop off in this game, or I think Jarquez Hunter is going to pop off in this game. I think both of Auburn's backs are going to have a lot of success if Auburn's able to establish the run early. I think both of them could potentially, I'm not kidding, could have over 100 yards each. At the heart of this matchup, it's Auburn's ability to be able to score points, sustain drives. If they're they're able to do that, I see no reason why Auburn can't win this game and potentially win by multiple scores because I believe Arkansas is going to have a hard time getting things going on the offensive end based on the fact that they've been rather one-dimensional, basically based on the rushing attack, which is a 70% split almost. They run the ball 70% of the time. And when they haven't been able to run the ball effectively, and I look at the Texas A&M game, I look at the Georgia game, when they haven't been able to do it consistently, what happens? Their offense gets shut down. And Auburn's one of the best run-stopping teams statistically right now in the country, just giving up a hair over 100 rush yards allowed per game. Now, 
They haven't really been tested a whole lot. You can make that point. But I think that they handled Georgia's physicality up front and handled Georgia's rushing attack about as well as as many teams have this season as well up to this point. So I think after that Georgia game, you could say, okay, Auburn's rush defense is legit, and they should be able to man up and be able to stop Arkansas up front. Auburn is 14th nationally in yards allowed per carry, and they are 24th in rushing yards allowed per game. Look, both of these ground games want to get going, and they want to get going immediately from the jump. But you look at the way that Auburn's been playing statistically, you look at the way that Arkansas has been playing statistically on both sides of the ball in terms of stopping the run and establishing the run. I think this is a matchup where Auburn is favored, and I don't want to say heavily, but it looks like on paper Auburn should be able to go out there and run the football. And like you mentioned, at the at the root of this matchup between Auburn's ground game and Arkansas's defense it's pivotal because of the way that Auburn wants to try and sustain drives in this game. I think Arkansas will be able to score some points in this game. Auburn's going to have to be able to slow down this game, chew the clock, and just kind of control it. I feel like that way. Just run the ball, be efficient, and not let Arkansas have too many possessions. I think this is a matchup where Auburn could just take advantage of it, and it could be the entire story of the game. I know that K.J. Jefferson being mobile is a factor. Whether or not Auburn's pass rush can get home is a question. Auburn's secondary and the explosive plays they've allowed every now and then this season, those are all different little factors, right? But I think at the end of the day, we could be looking at this game and saying Auburn's ability to run the football and on the other side stop Arkansas's run game is truly the story of this matchup going to zoom out a little bit and maybe wrap that up in a concise way not uh, you know about how we've been talking about this game at the end of the day what these two teams want to do they want to run the football which team is going to have an easier time of doing that is ultimately going to be able to get to the next levels of their game plan which is where their passing game resides for Auburn their passing game isn't as contingent on the rushing attack but it certainly it certainly helps them to be able to throw the football if Arkansas has to respect the rushing attack and then vice versa Auburn wants to be balanced whereas Arkansas is not as predicated on being balanced whatever any coach will tell you every coach will tell you they want to be balanced but at the heart of what Arkansas does they run the football 70% of the time in order for them to get to the next level of their game plan they have to clear the first hurdle which is being able to establish the ground game the rushing attack is where this battle lies and the thing is Arkansas isn't very good at stopping the run they haven't shown that ability to be a good team at doing that this season Auburn has been at the end of the day Auburn doesn't have to change who they are to go out and win this football game whereas I believe Arkansas does this Arkansas team is going to have to overhaul a little bit of what they do on offense and on defense in order to be able to match up with this Auburn team a little bit better. And I'm just not sure if they have the personnel to do it. So when you look at the line on this game, and I believe it's two and a half to Arkansas right now, you might be able to clarify that for me a little bit better, Lance. But I think it was at two and a half in favor of Arkansas the last time I looked. And you get three to the home team already. So this thing is kind of inching towards Auburn. But I feel very comfortable in Auburn's road trip to Fayetteville this weekend. I know there may be some uncomfortable Auburn fans out there but I feel very comfortable just looking at the matchups on paper now at the end of the day Arkansas could come out there and be more physical than Auburn Auburn could still be banged up a little bit still you know have a hangover from playing a team like Georgia who's extremely physical that could be a thing also 11 a.m we haven't seen Auburn fully focused in some of these earlier kickoffs namely the Georgia State and Alabama State games when it's been an early kickoff Auburn hasn't necessarily started the game out great so 
You know, and I don't know if that was necessarily a big problem in the Georgia game, but we've seen two out of three early games. Auburn started the game slow. Honestly, Auburn has started a lot of games slow this year, maybe regardless of the time, because the LSU game, they started out slow. So Auburn can't afford to start out slow on the road. They've had some home games to be able to avoid that. I don't think think Arkansas is going to give Auburn the same reprieve that LSU did over the last three quarters, just with how physical and how engaged that team is under their new leadership in Sam Pittman. So there's other factors that bake into this other than the matchups, but I'll tell you, I favor Auburn and the matchups in a heavy way right now. I'm looking at ESPN and CBS and both of them, the line opened at three and a half. It's currently sitting at four and a half right now for Arkansas. Uh, A lot of people are putting money on Arkansas apparently this weekend. And I kind of disagree with that. And I'm kind of thinking what you're thinking, Noah, is there are a lot of different matchups on this field where not only do I think Auburn's simply more talented, I just simply think they have better personnel. You talked about this a lot on yesterday's show. We went back and forth talking about what is Arkansas's defense going to do? And I'm like, well, they run this three, two, six. That's not going to survive against Auburn's run. Maybe they can try and load the box and play a little bit more man and see if they can be a little bit more aggressive inside. And your point was like, I don't even know if they've got the personnel to do that. Maybe that's the reason why they're running this 3-2-6. And I definitely think that could be a factor at the end of the day is Arkansas just simply doesn't have the dudes to go out there and beat Auburn in the trenches. Just simply just doesn't have the guys. And you look on the other side of the football, Auburn's uh, defense against Arkansas's offense Look, that offensive line for Arkansas isn't terrible, but I feel like Auburn is going to shut that line or shut that line down, shut the run game down. And then it's very similar to what I thought would happen in the Georgia game. It's just on a it's it's more it's more possible for Auburn. They're going to get into third medium, third long situations, put a spy on KJ Jefferson and get after him. I don't think anybody outside of Traylon Burks is going to be able to consistently get open in this game. I know Blake Kern, the tight end, could potentially be a factor. But like you mentioned, Noah, I like Auburn in a lot of different areas in this game. And I'm not calling for a blowout. It's on the road. It's early. Like you mentioned, Auburn started out slow consistently this season. But... I'm looking at this spread. I'm looking at this line. And I'm saying, I think, I think right now, you know, four and a half, man, for it to continue to grow, I, I, I just disagree with that. Me and you are definitely in the minority. I'm looking on PFF right now at some of their betting tools that they have, just looking at um, the cash ticket split on there, and it's at 72% for Arkansas cash and tickets both. So, majority of the mass majority of the bets are going towards Arkansas as well as mass majority of the cash. So people are feeling confident in the hogs at home and I get it. Auburn doesn't have the best road track record. Um, Auburn doesn't have the best road track record. There's a lot to like about this Arkansas team. If you're watching this from afar, cause you think, Oh, this Arkansas team plays really hard for Sam Pittman. And they have been able to push some teams really close like Ole Miss. But I think this Arkansas perception, this Arkansas optimism around the country is being propped up a little bit by some of their early season victories that just don't mean as much to me as they do to other people. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was about to say, just to play devil's advocate, let's say these lines are correct. What are we missing? What are we missing on this Auburn-Arkansas matchup? Because a lot of people apparently think that Arkansas should go out there and win this game. I just don't see it that way. Looking at the different matchups, like you mentioned, maybe it's because of the momentum the Razorbacks have right now. Maybe it's because of the early season wins that they got over Texas and Texas A&M. Does Arkansas have momentum right now, though? I feel They've like, lost two in a row. I feel like 
right now the national narrative is that Arkansas is this up-and-coming football team still, regardless of the fact that they've lost two in a row, to the best team in the country, arguably, and one of the best offenses in the country on the road. I still think a lot of people, because of this line, are still saying Arkansas is is just on, on a different plane right now than they have been in the past. And I'm, I don't think that's true. I disagree with that. I'm just trying to figure out why maybe some people are, are picking Arkansas to win this game, why so much money is being put on it. Because you look at the matchups again, I just don't see a, a world where Arkansas goes, goes out there. And I, I can see where they beat Auburn. I just can't see it where they just run away with it, right? It, it, at, at the end of the day, I think it, it, it's at least competitive, right? Who needs this game more? I think Auburn needs this game more. It, it because, because Arkansas right now they have two losses in the SEC, right? They are essentially I don't I don't believe that they're truly eliminated yet, obviously just two losses, but they're they're out of the SEC West contention and they are out of what could be a New Year's Six Bowl. Auburn, on the other hand, still has the opportunity to either finish second in the SEC West or win the thing outright. And this Auburn team, I feel like, is going to become a little bit more desperate as the year goes on to get to that Iron Bowl and have enough wins under your belt to say, okay, we can still go out there and we can win this thing and we can get to that SEC championship game. I think the desperation for Auburn wanting to, at the end of the season, still compete for something that means something is going to be more important than Arkansas getting a win at 11 a.m., I know they've lost five five straight to Auburn. I don't think this is like a revenge game. This has just kind of been a beatdown consistently for five years now. Right now, I think Auburn needs this a little bit more than Arkansas does. They've got more talent, and that just kind of sets it over the edge for me. Well, it's not exactly a slippery slope for Arkansas if they were to lose this game. Next week, they get to play Arkansas Pine Bluff, which will be a W for them. There, they get to five wins. After that, they get to play Mississippi State at home. So they're in the midst of a three-game home stretch here. After Mississippi State, they go to Death Valley, which at this point, that looks like that's going to be a happy valley for a lot of people going there this year because LSU could be on their track to four and eight. The end of the season, they match up on the road at Alabama. Nobody's going to fault Arkansas for losing on the road at Alabama. Then you get Missouri at home. So they're back end of the season here. A loss to Auburn and Alabama, sure, will drop this team to 8-4, and four, but Arkansas fans should be ecstatic with 8-4 and four, with the, everything that they've been through over the years. You know what I mean? This would be a huge improvement for them. So I agree with you. I think Auburn needs this a little bit more because Auburn needs something on their resume to not only tell other people, but to also tell themselves that they're a good football team. I believe Auburn's a good football team. They've had a really tough schedule. They've had to scratch and claw and fight all the while still having to learn a new system on both sides of the football. If they can go into Fayetteville and have that breakthrough game that I was talking about on yesterday's show, we've seen that over the years, 2013, 2016, 2017, on those good years for Auburn, where they had major postseason aspirations at the end. There was always a game there in the middle of the season where they broke through. This Arkansas game could be it for Auburn, but that's why it's more important to Auburn because if you look at the stretch for Auburn moving forward, sure, you get a bye week, but then say you lose this game on the road to Arkansas, you're kicking the can down the line to two weeks from now when you're playing a high-powered, high-octane Ole Miss offense that I don't think Auburn matches up as well with as they do with this Arkansas football team. As the season goes on, more and more the doubt begins to grow into this 
nasty weeds in, in your yard, you know what I mean, that just that don't make you feel as confident about yourself. Auburn needs a win against a good football team to help them feel like, hey, we can beat teams like this. I talked about this with Nebraska throughout the week. Maybe it was on Tuesday's show. I said they just don't know how to win yet. I don't think they're bad. I think the product they're putting on the field is at the same level as the team that they played on Saturday, Michigan. But the difference there is Michigan has won football games. They have a little bit more of a winning pedigree recently, and Michigan's undefeated right now. Michigan may not look good, and Notre Dame may not look good, but they're winning. Nebraska's just not winning games. Arkansas's kind of, not Arkansas, Auburn's in this kind of similar boat right here. Auburn may be 4-2, but I still think they're looking to learn how to win against a good football team, something they haven't done in a couple of seasons because Auburn didn't really beat anybody that good last year, and at least not on a regular basis. We're just not used to seeing this Auburn team over the last two seasons win some of these big games. This is a big game, and Auburn needs it to be able to prove to themselves that they can compete in games like this. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we take a look at our SEC midseason report card. We take a look at the SEC East. We'll be back in just a few moments. Two one thirteen ninety. 1390 our text line at 334-564-1840. Just wrapped up talking a little bit about this Auburn-Arkansas matchup, the most pivotal matchup inside that football game. We've narrowed it down to which team can run the football better. Go figure. Sounds like old school SEC football. That's what you can expect on Saturday. If you want to know more of what you should expect about the Arkansas Razorbacks, head over to RadioAlabamaSports.net. I've got an article up, Auburn Football Week 7 Scouting Report, Arkansas Razorbacks. We break down this Arkansas team schematically, take a look at what makes this team tick and how Auburn might be able to exploit some of those strengths and weaknesses to be able to win the football game on Saturday. Be sure to go and check that out on RadioAlabamaSports.net. That's Auburn Football Week 7 Scouting Report. We got about five minutes here in our second segment of the show. Once again, number to call 334-321-1390 is the number to call, as well as our text box at 334-564-1840. If you've got any other questions, comments, please hit us up. We want to hear from you. Lance, let's get to our SEC midseason report card. We've done the SEC West up to this point. Now let's get to the SEC East. And instead of going in alphabetical order and talking about all the fun stuff first, because the SEC East can be a barren wasteland of talent at times, Let's go to that barren wasteland of talent, and let's start with the bad. We'll go to the bottom of the SEC East, and let's talk about a team that is currently not meeting expectations. What would you give a grade? What grade would you give to Missouri on their SEC midseason report card? D+. Plus. It, has been, it has been a very poor product that Missouri has been putting out on the field, uh, specifically defensively. They are currently dead last, and whenever I say dead last, I mean dead last in the in, in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game by 20 yards. The next closest team is 20 yards ahead of them. It has been a, a very, very poor season for Missouri on the defensive side of the football, and we talked about this in the offseason early on. I'm like, look, this schedule could line up favorably if this defense improves and and they can win some of these 50-50 matchups at Kentucky, at Boston College, Tennessee at home, and they've lost all three of those games. Two of them were by one possession, and then they got blown 
out by Tennessee a couple weeks ago, 62-24. to And they gave up 35 points to North Texas this past weekend. Gave up 188 yards rushing to North Texas, who is currently 1-4. It's just not been a good season for Missouri defensively, and it's going to cost them as they get into this back half of the schedule. I'll tell you, Lance, you are not out here to fail people. I've already given one F on this SEC midseason report card. I gave it to LSU a couple days ago. I'm going to hand out another F. You failed, Missouri. F. There's nothing redeeming about what Missouri has done at this point. Every single opportunity they have had to do something, they have failed. Even when they have beaten teams, they haven't looked good. They only beat Central Michigan 34-24. to You already pointed out the North Texas game, 48-35. to Even gave up 28 points to Southeast Missouri State, the fighting by Darius Knightens. Not acceptable. And the good teams that they've played, man, they put Tennessee back on the map. How do you give up 62 points to Tennessee? What? Boston College put up 41 with their backup quarterback who struggled against UMass. UMass. And then Kentucky, of course, beat them 35 to 28, which maybe is their most redeeming performance of the season at this point. I, Hey man, I'm with you. Let's be kind to folks, but I'm giving them an F. <laughs> Only reason I'm not giving them an F is because they, they've not hit rock bottom yet. Right? Like I consider rock bottom, like three and nine, two and 10, something like that. They've still got an opportunity to beat Vanderbilt later on in the season to potentially beat South Carolina. That's potentially five wins. This team's not making a bowl game. Unless they win this weekend, then they've got a shot against Texas A&M. But I'm not ready to call it quits on Missouri because I don't think it's been a complete failure. After all, they have managed to win three games against some terrible opponents. So it's not a complete and total failure just yet, but they are on the brink, on the brink right now. I can get there. Also, might say this is like someone didn't turn in like you only had like three grades and then they didn't turn any of their assignments in. So you've got a zero. Mm -hmm. That's kind of me right now. I felt like there's still time for them to fix things, but I've got them at an F after what we've seen for the first half. Let's go to another team. This team a little bit kind of exceeding expectations. I think we would say South Carolina where you got them at. I've got them graded at a D. I, I think that they have slightly overachieved so far this season. You know, they 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 beat East, Eastern Illinois with Zeb Nolan. They beat Eastern Carolina with Zeb Nolan. Uh, they scored 13 points on Georgia. Pretty sweet. Uh, they barely lost to Kentucky, who is currently 6-0. I mean, they, they've kind of outplayed what I thought they would be doing heading into this season, especially with their like third or fourth string quarterback. They, they have struggled, um, but they've not struggled as bad as I thought they would have. I'll give them a C minus. I'm actually impressed by how this South Carolina team has looked. I thought there was potential for them to finish last in the SEC East, but I have been impressed with their ability to be able to exceed some expectations. Let's head to a quick break here on On the Line. When we come back, we continue the SEC midseason report card. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. With Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Number call 334 321 1390 or text line at 334 564 1840. 
Missouri and South Carolina. Now let's go to another team at the bottom of the barrel. Lance, if you were going to give a grade to Vanderbilt, come on. This has got to be your first F. It's an F. It is an F. I mean, they've not really done much of anything right other than play in, in the game of the year against UConn. Um, but but they have just been really disappointing from the get-go. I mean, losing 3-23 to 23 to Eastern Tennessee State, I mean, come on, man. That is like it, This has been just a terrible, terrible year for Vanderbilt. We were kind of joking, half-joking, but also like, well, this could, this isn't like off the table completely. It's like Vanderbilt could potentially get to like 5-7 and seven or like in, in a miraculous show form of events, they could get to a bowl game. Uh, it ain't happening. It is not happening. They have just kind of fallen off the face of the earth quicker than I would have anticipated. Uh, and it is it is just not a good time in Nashville right now. Thankfully, basketball season's coming up and baseball season ain't too far away. Is it really worth saying thankfully for Vanderbilt basketball? Scotty Pippen Jr. is a fun player to watch. That is true. And Jerry Stackhouse said today, actually, I believe he said it today, if not today, it was recently this week. He said today that he expects Vanderbilt to be in the top half of the league. That's surprising. I don't know if it's top half, but I definitely think they're going to be a little bit more competitive than they were last season, uh, especially with Scottie Pippen Jr. returning. I think he is uh, he's a solid player. I've got Vanderbilt at an F because this feels like Vanderbilt football is the farthest away now from where it was under James Franklin, which was arguably the best time period maybe in Vanderbilt football, which is kind of shocking to say that a three-year stretch of just going to bowl games, some of the best football Vanderbilt has seen. But this seems to have reached a rock-bottom point. You were talking about that with Missouri, about how they haven't hit rock-bottom. Neither is South Carolina. Vanderbilt feels like they have hit rock-bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just not been they've not been really good in in any phase of the game uh, outside of that UConn performance offensively. Well, Ken Seals, as much as we might have praised him, has uh, has struggled this season. He's taken a step back five touchdowns, seven interceptions through two and the loss to Florida last week. He's uh, he's not been taking that step forward as we might have thought that he would. And Florida or Vanderbilt, that is right now, is just is struggling to get anything going. Like even a touchdown would be would be nice. They've been shut out in three game or two games so far, and like I mentioned, they scored three points in the season opener against Eastern Tennessee State. Yeah, it's just been a complete dumpster fire so far, and uh, it, it it's surprising to me that they were given their numbers and their names back on their jerseys because <laughs> it doesn't look they're not playing like they deserve it right now. Let's move to some teams that are doing well in the SEC East, which I think you can pinpoint four teams in the SEC East who are formidable competition. I think the top half of the SEC East may be better than what we are used to on a typical year-in and year-out basis. I want to go to the Tennessee Volunteers now who have a big game against Ole Miss. What's your grade for the Volunteers? B-plus. I've got them graded as a B-plus team so far this season. Four and two, two and one in the SEC. Look, you, you, you beat up on two of the worst teams that the conference has to offer in Missouri and South Carolina. Good for you for actually going out there and scoring points and kind of finding your identity. I think it's a good thing that Tennessee's kind of building 
momentum right now, but the only team that you faced in the SEC so far that was worth a lick was Florida, and you lost 38-14. to It's going to be a fun game in Knoxville this weekend. A lot of points are going to be scored. B-plus because you're 4-2 and two and Josh Heupel's off to a good start, but I want, I want to see this Tennessee team beat a team that is, is competitive in the SEC, and that will definitely set my grade higher, I feel like. And they've got opportunity to do it. They play four top 15 teams in this back half of their schedule, including Ole Miss this weekend. I'm going to go with a B for this Tennessee team. You hit on the points of saying that they really haven't played anybody up to this point, or maybe I should say they haven't beaten anybody of note at this point. In the two games where they played against decent competition, they lost. I thought they put up a better fight than what the Florida scores suggest, losing 38-14, to because they were still in that ball game in the second half. But, of course, Florida finally broke through. And then it was at that point that everybody was like, well, maybe Florida's better than we thought this year, even though I don't know how you come to that conclusion just by beating Tennessee and the Tennessee team that we saw at that time. But what I like about this Tennessee team so much is they found their quarterback for the first time in what seems like forever since Josh Dobbs, which has been a long time, they finally feel comfortable with who's taking snaps at quarterback. That's huge for them. And he's doing really well. Hendon Hooker is throwing the ball all over the yard. He's also a rushing threat. Tennessee's offense is moving the football really well. I said yesterday, if you give up, or two days ago, I said, if you give up 52 points, I don't care who it was to. I don't care if it was to the best offensive team in the nation. You probably have defensive problems if you gave up 52 points. Likewise, on the flip side, if you scored 62 points on somebody, I'll say your offense has probably got some things going right. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. And then they scored 45 on South Carolina. These guys are scoring at a really high clip. So that's one area where I am impressed. I still don't know if this team has a defense. Last time they played a good offense, namely Florida, gave up 38. The other good offense they played, Pittsburgh, put up 41. So I think Ole Miss is going to get their points this weekend. Tennessee should as well. But I like what this Tennessee team has done. This is the analogy I'll make. It's like in school, you've been cruising along, haven't really been doing your best. Somehow you've meandered your way to a B, but now the real test is coming up and you very well could fail this test. And literally in the, in the blink of an eye, in the matter of a week, Tennessee could go from what I view as, yeah, this has been pretty good up to this point. This has been a B season for them to being like, oh, this is just kind of average. It, it could really leave a bad taste in my mouth on Saturday night if Tennessee ends up getting shellacked by Ole Miss, which I don't think will happen, but there's definitely a possibility for it. But there's still some wins left on this schedule for them to get to bowl eligibility, South Alabama and then Vanderbilt, namely at the end of the season. So Tennessee can at least say, hey, we're going bowling, which is a huge step for this program that's trying to rebuild under Hypel. Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned that offense and how it's it's taken it taken off. Uh, essentially, they're third in the SEC right now in total yards per game at 474. They've been able to establish the ground game. They've been able to throw the ball a little bit, like you mentioned with Hendon Hooker, 13 touchdowns, one interception. Also, like a dual th- a dual threat, like you mentioned, 4.3 yards per carry there. They've been able to kind of keep a balanced attack going, and I think it's going to po- pose a lot of problems for for SEC teams in the back half of Tennessee schedule. 
Number to call, 334-321-1390 or text line at 334-564-1840. If you've got some questions, some comments, some takes you want to bring our way, bring it. We want to hear from you. Talking about that Auburn-Arkansas game on Saturday, we'll pivot in any sports direction that you want to. Hit us up. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Still continuing along with our SEC midseason report card, giving grades to each of these SEC teams this year. We've already done the SEC West. We're talking about the SEC East right here. Let's talk about the Florida Gators, Lance. What grade do you have for them Gators? C plus is the grade that I have for Florida. I've been really disappointed in the Florida Gators so far this season. Four and two, two and two in the SEC. It's very similar to to the way that I view Tennessee and the fact that you beat in Vanderbilt and Tennessee and then you lost to Alabama and Kentucky and you say, well, a two-point conversion for, for Florida and that game would have gone to overtime. And we've seen Alabama is not the Alabama team that we normally have seen in the past. So good game by Florida, but I think that's that's the peak. That is the best game that they are going to have played this season. C-plus for me, I'm looking forward to seeing Emory Jones not throw multiple interceptions in a game throughout the back half of this schedule. He's been turnover prone. I know the ground game's been working, but that passing offense outside of Jacob Copeland has been relatively non-existent. I want to see this team stop turning the ball over and get their stuff together. That Kentucky loss really shook them, I feel like. And you've got a game against LSU this weekend that you should go out there and win. I just have concern with this Florida team moving down the line. I don't think they're I don't think they're very good. I think this Florida team is decent. I look at their future schedule. They'll beat LSU. They'll lose to Georgia. They'll beat South Carolina, beat Sanford, beat Missouri, and beat Florida State. So back into the season, Florida should cruise to a five and one record down the stretch, finish this season off with a nine and three record and you and I talked about this Florida team in that same light going into this season so I'm not going to dock this team at this point for having not have beaten anybody it's not their fault that the schedule looks like this and I'm not saying that you are but I expected them to lose to Georgia I expected them to lose to Alabama if you remember we did some of those SEC preseason predictions not not just ranking the teams but we did predictions and I said Kentucky will finish either tied with Florida or past them in the SEC East standings. And Kentucky's very well on their way to doing that. Now, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that Kentucky could lose to Tennessee next week. That could throw a wrench into this. But on the flip side, Florida right now is on their way to losing more SEC games than Kentucky at this point, especially with the loss to Georgia coming up in two or three weeks. So I like what Florida's done up to this point. New quarterback. We knew that he was going to have some questions whether or not he could throw the football. I think he's starting to show a little bit more ability in throwing the football. I think Dan Mullen's done done a lot with this offense to be able to change it from what it was over the last two seasons with Kyle Trask to something completely different now with two brand new quarterbacks. One that's been in the program for a couple of years but hasn't been taking a whole lot of snaps. So I will give this Florida grade a B. It's just above average. Like I said, they haven't past any major test the Kentucky game hurts them but I think they've done fine I would have given them a B or even a B plus potentially had they gone and beaten Kentucky as they have for the past 35 straight years uh but they didn't and that offense 
has has shut down or shut down against what was a relatively good defense. I think they'll struggle against Georgia. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that they struggle against South Carolina as well. I, I'm disappointed in the way that this quarterback position has worked out for Florida. And like you mentioned, Emory Jones, I want to see him take steps moving forward in the back half of the schedule. He has an opportunity to, to do so. I want to see this kid succeed. C plus B, somewhere around there, I think it's fair for this first six games for Florida. I have a feeling we're going to have identical grades for these next two teams, but Kentucky. A plus. Without a doubt. A plus. The fact that these cats are 6-0 and right now, and they've been able to kind of survive some of these close games and then a blowout LSU this past weekend, it's been impressive. It has been impressive. Now, you could also say the same thing about Kentucky. It's like, well, they played Missouri, South Carolina, and then a Florida team that's not really met expectations and an LSU team that may not even get to five wins this season. But the fact that they've been able to do it, as opposed to what we've seen from Kentucky in the past, is impressive. They, they're undefeated. They're already bowl eligible. I think that's great. I think they're doing good things defensively. I don't think Will Levis is a world beater quarterback, but he's playing pretty. He's playing the, like the game manager manager that we said Kentucky needed to have a good season so far. And then also Chris Rodriguez, one of the best running backs in the country. He's going to continue to be a workhorse throughout the rest of the year. A plus, they've exceeded expectations in my mind, and they've been able to uh, to get some really close wins. The Florida game gets them to an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could be talking about this team as an A- minus or a B plus. Had they lost that game, I would still be high on this Kentucky team at 5-1. and one, But they have passed every single test put in front of them, and they've done it with flying colors. I'm very pleased with this Kentucky team. A plus, first time in 71 years that they're 6-0. It's been since the bear, man. It's been that long. It was a young bear, too. I mean, it was, you know, the beginning of Bears' career. This is this is unprecedented territory almost for the Kentucky Wildcats, at least in the modern era of college football. So huge props to Kentucky. It may come to a smoldering end this week against Georgia, but even after that Georgia game, it's not going to be an easy road trip to Mississippi State. I don't believe that Tennessee game is going to be close. Uh, is, is going to be – I believe that Tennessee game could be close, especially if Tennessee is the team that I think they are becoming at this point with the way that they're scoring the football. But I don't see a reason why Kentucky couldn't finish 11-1 and with their only loss to Georgia. And then, man, I mean, think about what these college football playoff rankings are going to look like at the end of the year where what if there's a two-loss Auburn team that's only two losses are to – Penn State and Georgia to presumably top 10, maybe even both top five at that point. And then they beat, let's say Auburn were to win out at that point. And then you've got a two loss Auburn, the one in SEC championship, a one loss Georgia that lost in the SEC championship. Maybe even Alabama wins out and their one loss and Georgia's one loss. And then Kentucky's one loss. Like, man, you can make an argument that there should be, you know, there's a world where I could make an argument in my mind that, the three that three of the top four teams in the country are SEC teams. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but if Kentucky goes one loss this year, Alabama, Georgia go one loss as well. I, I don't see how that, yeah, I don't see how that doesn't make sense in some people's minds. It's one hundred percent in the realm of possibility in my mind. Um, I just right now with the way that the polls are are working with all these Big Ten teams in the top ten, looking good. It's 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 not looking good right now. But here's the thing. 
a lot of these Big Ten teams are not, are are not have not played each other right. They've yet to beat each other up. Also, was watching a little bit of Josh Pate, twenty four seven Sports uh, YouTube streamer the other day, and he was like, "Did you know? Actually, according to ESPN's model and according to our model, Ohio State would be all of these teams, other Big Ten teams in the top ten. They would they would be favored by at least a touchdown, which is surprising. So." I'm looking to see how these teams play against each other and then who comes out on top in the Big Ten Championship. There is 100%, without a doubt, a world where the SEC could get two teams in and then could potentially be arguing for a third. Well, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan all still play each other. Uh, plain and simple. They all still play each other. Like every None of those matchups have taken place yet. Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. Those games haven't happened yet. Ohio State also hasn't played any of those teams. Michigan hasn't played any of those teams. Like there are still that, like, what is that, like 12 ball games right there, nine ball games, whatever. I can't do the math in my head right now, but there's still a lot of games left to be played in the Big Ten. I don't think it's going to – I was the only team in the Big Ten right now who has like a clear path at this point to that Big Ten title game without real, real adversity here of the last six games. And I just don't see a world where there's going to be that many Big Ten teams in the top ten. The Big Ten – will not be the top 10 when it's all said and done, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Last team here before we go to break, Georgia. I'm assuming we would both say A-plus here as well? Yes, A-plus. The fact that they've already beaten three top 20 teams at the time that they played them, okay, three top 20 teams, is impressive, and that defense has been phenomenal. Yeah, easy easy peasy. This is one that we can spend the least amount of time on other than saying Vanderbilt's had an F year. Uh, Georgia's had an A season, and they've just – I mean, their, their lowest margin of victory up to this point was that Clemson game back in week one against a good defense that this Clemson team's a lot different than where they were at even in week one. But since that moment, they have blown everyone out, even when they've played presumably good teams in the SEC. So I think you got to give the Bulldogs an A-plus because they're doing everything that they can at this point. They are meeting all expectations of being the top team in the country. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we take a look at some of the NFL games happening this weekend. We do our Sunday showdown picks here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Big thank you to intern Belichick and intern Sting in the house as well for holding down the fort. It's time to get into our Sunday showdown picks. Lance and I made our picks last week and Lance you edged me out by a game you went six and four I went five and five you are now looking at the season lead at 32 and 19 I am 31 and 20 man I just can't make picks this year destroyed in college as well I really really hope that we're looking at the end of the year and it's still like a one or game lead or tied because for me some of these games, it's just like throwing darts at a board. Like I, like either of these teams could win. It's the NFL. These lines are always close. It's just kind of like I maybe this happens, and uh, I'm I'm surprised that we are neck and neck so far through three or four weeks, five weeks actually. We have enough time for one game to pick here before we get to the end of hour number one, and it's Thursday night football tonight. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head to Philadelphia to take on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. This is at 7.20 p.m. on Fox and NFL Network. 
Tom Brady right now is dealing through five touchdowns last weekend against Miami. Give me Tampa Bay to win on the road, even though Jalen Hurts is finally starting to figure out how to play quarterback. The line is currently seven in favor of Tampa Bay. I think they barely cover. I would agree with that. I think this ends up being a pretty close game. The Buccaneers almost say the Patriots every time I think of Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, but I'll I'll give it that as well. I'm going to take the Buccaneers just because I've got to trust Tom Brady being able to lead this team on the road. They looked really good this past week against Miami, 45 to 17. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Once again, I still almost find myself saying New England every time I think about this team. They're dealing with some injuries right now. I think Jalen Hurts can you know, maybe push the right buttons to put up some points on Tampa Bay in this game at home as well. And the crowd may play a factor, but I feel pretty confident in saying the Buccaneers will win this game. I agree. I agree. That's going to do it for our number one of on the line on the other side of this break. We've got our making headline segment, got a ton of stuff to get to stick with us. You're listening to on the line. Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun show so far today. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390, our text line at 334-564-1840. If you missed any of the show today, go and find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Just search On the Line. It's easy. Go and subscribe. Leave a review five stars do it for us that's a way that you can support the show also go and check out all the content we're putting out on radioalabamasports.net i've got a good article up on this auburn arkansas matchup auburn football week seven scouting report arkansas razorbacks as i take a deep dive into this arkansas football team and what makes them tick you can go and find that article once again on radioalabamasports.net Coming up here in hour number two, we got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer at 3.30 p.m. Joining us on the line to talk some Auburn football as the Tigers head down the stretch to wrap up the regular season, as well as Auburn High basketball under a month away. He's one of the coaches on that staff. We'll talk to him about all that good stuff coming up in the Auburn High sports world. Lance, fun show so far today. Let's get into our daily making headlines segment. 
did you see what the OU Daily, the Oklahoma student newspaper did to report on the quarterback competition at OU? Yeah, I saw that Oklahoma was having practice and from a public building, some kid was using binoculars to see how many snaps Spencer Rattler was getting as opposed to Caleb Williams. And I believe it was like something 15 to 7. Caleb Williams was getting more snaps with the first team than Rattler and then he reported it and then Oklahoma was like, all right, we're not doing media anything with the media for like the next week like we're done like he the fact that is so that is so that was awesome. next level yeah that is next level journalism right there like literally he, next level he was on a building <laughs> he was on like the third or fourth floor of a building yeah fantastic stuff um from the oklahoma student newspaper like that is awesome that is awesome i thought that was hilarious when i saw that and according to the article that was written by the ou daily it's not discouraged. That, that's what they said. They said it wasn't discouraged at any point for them to have been on that building. At least that's what it said in the article. So I thought that was funny uh, to find that loophole to be able to do some reporting. And let's dig into that, though. If that is indeed true, if Caleb Williams is taking the mass majority of first team snaps, what are you expecting from this OU team moving forward? And is this the right direction to go in as the Sooners get into some quarterback controversy? Would you go Rattler or would you go Williams? I would go Caleb Williams after seeing what he did against Texas last week. I think he provides this Oklahoma team with a higher upside, not just offensively, but as an entire team. The fact that he was able to lead them back along with some awesome moments from Kennedy Brooks them lead to lead them back and get that comeback going was really impressive. That shows a lot of promise for Oklahoma's future, especially considering this kid is only a freshman. 313 yards passing so far this season. Uh, he, he's, he's been solid. He has been solid, and Rattler has uh, had his ups and downs this season. I would go with the more steady presence in the freshman with Williams at quarterback. That's kind of where I'm at right now as well. But I'm also thinking to myself, what happened to Spencer Rattler? He didn't have a bad game against Kansas State. And, of course, he's been up and down this year. His own student section was chanting for him to be benched in the West Virginia game, which is something us Auburn fans would know a little bit about after what we saw in the Georgia State game, which it was wild that that happened. Both of those games happened on the same day of college football, the same Saturday I think to myself, how did Spencer Rattler come from what we saw last year at their height when they destroyed Florida in the Cotton Bowl all the way to where they're at right now, where he may not even be a Sooner next year? Well, you look at his you look at his performances so far this season and against FBS competition, meaning you take out the uh, the game against Western Carolina. He has thrown five touchdowns to five interceptions. He's just not he's not been he's not been great so far this year. He's just not been great. And these are not like world beater defenses that he is going up against. It's the Big 12. It's the Big 12. Yeah. So Caleb Williams, as far as like the I, I know that he's a freshman. I know he's got a lot to learn. But through these fir that first game that he got to play with Texas, where he took the majority of the snaps, he just looked more comfortable. He just looked more steady. And so I know that Rattler's not a terrible quarterback. Like you mentioned, I just don't really understand how he's fallen off so far. But Caleb Williams, after one game and in, in what was the biggest game on the schedule of the season, at least I think, he was able to show poise and he was able to go out there and win the football game. So Rattler, like you mentioned, may not even be with Oklahoma 
uh, this time next year, which is crazy to think about after seeing what was a, a promising freshman year. Let's move into our second headline of making headlines, a little college football hypothetical. I can't remember which Twitter account posted this. It may have not even been a verified account, but someone someone posed the question, who would win, 2021 Cincinnati or 2017 UCF? I want to add... Where does 2020 Cincinnati fit into this, right? Like, a little bit of me thinks last year's Cincinnati team was a little bit better than this year's Cincinnati team. But just just for the purposes of this conversation, we'll take a look at 2021 Cincinnati and 2017 UCF. Former UCF quarterback and now Florida State quarterback McKenzie Milton chimed in in the conversation and said that he believes 2017 UCF, USF, and Memphis, all three of those teams, would beat the current 2021 Cincinnati Bearcats. I find that to be fascinating, and I just want to kind of take a look at some of these teams right here. South Florida 10-2 and two, and 2017 averaged 38.2 points per That's game. Good. They were they were a good football team. UCF 2017 averaged 48.2 points per game. Obviously, all Auburn fans know what happened in that Peach Bowl that year. Memphis 54 and a half points per game. That was second nationally behind UCF, which was first. But Memphis was also giving up 32 and a half points per game. You look in Cincinnati right now, 41 points per game, ninth nationally, averaging 12.2 points per game allowed. They are currently five and zero, number three in the AP poll. I don't know if all three of these teams would beat 2021 Cincinnati, but I think either UCF or South Florida would definitely give the Bearcats a run for their money. I think UCF from 2017 would win. I do. You had a Heisman quality quarterback in McKenzie Milton at the time. Man, it's hard to believe that it's been that long in college football. And then also, you know, kudos to him to to come back from his injury and still be playing as well. That That's an incredible story. But I look at the Cincinnati team this year. I think their statistics are propped up a little bit. They played Temple, Indiana, Murray State, Miami, Ohio. They played some really bad football teams mixed in there with an average Notre Dame team or above average Notre Dame team where they kind of struggled their way to win that football game. Of course, final score is 24 to 13. I think that UCF team, man, they were different. They had NFL caliber players. They were built. I thought they could have took looking back hindsight. And at the time when we were, I was doing the lunch break at the time here on ESPN 106.7 and I didn't give Cincinnati, not Cincinnati. I didn't give UCF that much of a shot against Auburn, but I'll tell you, I think that UCF team, looking back, could have taken a lot of SEC teams that year. I'm not so sure that this Cincinnati team would beat a lot of the teams at the top of the SEC at this point. Like, I think it would be an incredible ball game to see Cincinnati and Florida play. And I think Florida's outside that top tier right now. I think Cincinnati could be challenged by a number of SEC schools at this point. I even think Tennessee could score on them. I think Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati would win, but I think there would be a number of teams in the SEC at this moment that this Cincinnati team would really struggle to beat. I, I really genuinely hope, and I don't know if you feel this way, but and I, w- I do want your thoughts on this before we move to another headline. I don't want to see Cincinnati make the playoff. I just don't think, I think we're looking at the top 10 right now, and sure, they've done their job, and if you, you take last season into consideration that they almost beat Georgia, fine if you want to do that, but I don't want to see this team make the playoff because I think that it's going to result in one team being left out. You and I were talking about potentially there. I think you could say at the end of the year, there could be a world where there's three one loss SEC teams. 
that you could say, man, these three teams may be a part of the top four in the country. You know, the Big Ten could have a couple of teams that deserve to be represented, right? I think you should be able to find, with the way that the top ten is shaking out at this point, I think you'll be able to find five or six representatives that may fit a little bit better than Cincinnati. I don't think that Cincinnati will make the playoff for two reasons. Number one, you look at their schedule, they will have potentially beaten only two top 25 teams in Notre Dame and then potentially SMU later on in November. I don't think that's enough to merit a college football playoff spot, even if they do go undefeated. And then the second reason is you look at all these other teams in the top 10, you look at all these big 10 teams, you look at all these SEC teams, and you got to think once they beat up on each other, a couple of these teams from these conferences are going to emerge and they are going to leapfrog Cincinnati before it gets to the conference title game week. And I just think that Cincinnati will eventually get left out. And I agree with you. I don't want to see Cincinnati in the playoffs simply because I believe that there are other teams out there that deserve to, to play to play in the playoff because they played a more difficult schedule and they have more impressive wins. And what's kind of interesting is at this point, the SEC, I, the, the hopes of having two SEC teams in the college football playoff may have taken a little bit of a dent, not a huge dent, but a little bit of a dent when Alabama lost to Texas A&M. But I still think that the way that this season is playing out, there's still major hopes there for the SEC to get two in, just like they did in 2017. Especially with the, the key to that happening is Georgia being a great football team. And the last time we saw that in, with Georgia in 2017, they were a great football team, right? Um, and so they, they ended up being, what, the number one team in the country maybe when, in, in the college football playoff that year? Or no, Clemson was number one, lost to Alabama, but Georgia was number two. I remember playing Oklahoma. They were in that other semifinal game regardless. But the key is you need the SEC East team to win the SEC championship a lot of those years. This year, that may not be necessarily true, but you still needed the SEC East team to be a really, really good football team. And Georgia's going to fit into that, that category this year more than likely. But the Big Ten hasn't played themselves out of college football playoff contention yet either. I'm curious to see, and you and I talked about this two segments ago, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan, they're all in the same division, and none of those teams have played each other yet. Does the Big Ten, with Ohio State having already lost one game this season, Ohio State's one loss from not making it, and then Penn State's already got a loss. They're another loss from not making it, and I just have a hard time believing that Michigan State and Michigan both finish with less than two losses as well. So Mm -hmm. my concern is, does the Big Ten play themselves out of it, uh, out of a chance to get two teams in? Because does Iowa win the Big Ten championship? I I don't know. They had a fortunate comeback against Penn State, but... Typically, the other division, the one that has Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, that tends to be the better division and tends to have the champion in the Big Ten. Most years it's been Ohio State, but I just I feel like the Big Ten's going to do some damage to itself over the next six weeks. I agree. I agree 100 percent because, again, you look at the, the teams in the top 10 right now. They've got five of them, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State and Iowa. They're going to beat up on each other, and I'm just not so sure that Iowa's going to be able to get out of, get out of the uh, title game alive with a win. Also, something else I want to point out about Cincinnati before we go to another headline here. Look at their schedule so far, and you'll notice that they've not played a team with a good quarterback. 
They play Miami, Ohio, Murray State, Indiana, Notre Dame, and Temple. They've not played a team with a good quarterback. If you're going to make an argument that one of these teams from 2017 would have beaten Cincinnati, look at what their quarterback situation was. Mackenzie Milton at UCF, fantastic quarterback. Quentin Flowers at South Florida, one of my favorite players of all time in college football. And then Riley Ferguson of Memphis uh, in 2017, 38 touchdowns uh, in that season for Riley. All three of those teams have competent quarterbacks. Now, I know Cincinnati's defense has been good, but I don't think they've faced a team that has a quarterback of that caliber, meaning like of one of those three teams from 2017. Let's move on to our next headline here tonight at 8 on TBS, Game 5 of the NLDS, the last divisional series San Francisco Giants hosting the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers have a little bit of momentum after having won game four, forcing this thing to the decisive game here in the series. But still, this is two of the best teams in baseball, two of the best records in baseball. It's a shame to see one of them let go before we get to the championship series. Who do you think is going to win? Well, a look at the pitching matchup tonight. Corey Nebel for the Los Angeles Dodgers and Logan Webb for the San Francisco Giants is the probable pitching matchup tonight. You know, I said this about the Braves-Brewers game that if the Brew Crew won in game four and the Braves didn't put it away, that I would have felt like that the Brewers were going to win that series because they have the momentum. It's kind of like in college football, the team that forces it to overtime ends up winning in overtime rather than the team that, you know, was trying to avoid that. And so you get the vibe that this Dodgers team is going to be, is going to, push through here but i saw something on uh bleacher report earlier today i think it was bleacher reports betting site or uh not site but their their twitter account and it said that there was a there's a person out there who has some tickets out there that um uh, that he's bet that he could win out 1.3 million dollars if the giants win the world series dang dang all right. Well, I am. Uh, I I think Los Angeles is going to win this game, but I'll pull for San Fran simply for that man to get his money. Yeah, man, get get the fam's bag right. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, this is going to be a fun game tonight. Uh, you'll definitely want to tune in to take a look and see what's going on because Atlanta will be playing one of these two opponents. I would. I don't want to play either of these teams to be honest with you. Would you as a, play? Uh, I would rather play Los Angeles. I would. Wow. Uh, I, you look at what San Francisco was able to do. They were able to hold, barely hold that that division lead over the Dodgers throughout the course of the season. And if you're talking about you know longevity and making the playoff and surviving, for them to be able to prove things like that in a regu- in the regular season, it's like well they get to a matchup against the Braves, they're going to be able to sus- sustain uh, wins in that in that matchup as well in the postseason. So either of these teams, I wouldn't want to play, but I slightly would not want to play San Francisco a little bit more. I think. Pick your poison, right? They're both yep. great baseball teams, but I'll explain why I would rather play the Giants than the Dodgers. First of all, I do think that the Giants are the more beatable of the two teams. You look at the history that the Braves had with the Dodgers. This will be three seasons in a row, or three of the last four seasons, I think, actually, because there was a couple of postseasons ago that the Braves were put out by the Cardinals. This is three of the last four postseasons that the Braves will have met the Dodgers, and it would mean the untimely end for the Braves. And three of the last four postseasons, 
I mean, uh, they don't have a good history with them. In the regular season, they didn't do too well against the Dodgers either. At least we can say in the last month and a half, the Braves won a series against the Giants. I know they also lost a series to the Giants, and, and they may have even been swept. But when I look at the Giants, I see a, a more beatable team in a postseason setting at this point than what we've seen historically against the Dodgers, as well as a look at the stats at this point. The Giants have slightly worse pitching than the Dodgers at this point. Braves maybe match up with some of that pitching a little bit better. 3.24 team ERA for the Giants this season to the Dodgers, who are 3.01. You're splitting hairs there. Both of these teams are fantastic. But if I was going to choose one of these teams from a matchup perspective, I would say the Giants also, in the event that the Braves do lose to one of the to one of the two best teams in baseball, right? I would much rather see the Giants in the World Series than the Dodgers again. Um, just so I, I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. Like once again, they're two great teams, but if I want to see the Braves play one of these teams, I would rather see them giants. Cause I, a, I think they have a better history there, a better chance to beat them. But B, if they don't beat them, I'd rather see the giants in the world series than the Dodgers. It's definitely like you mentioned, pick your poison. Uh, San Francisco currently on the season in terms of series is four and two versus Los Angeles. They're two and oh versus Atlanta. But I think that all kind of gets thrown out the window. You talked about this, I believe, just on a, a couple of shows ago. It's postseason baseball. Anything can happen. So Atlanta's going to get one of these two teams either way, regardless. Just have to figure out who that is tonight. Uh, but but magical things could happen. We've seen crazy things happen in this sport and Atlanta still has a shot. One hundred percent. And the Giants aren't hitting too well in this series either. Now, right. the Dodgers have been shut out twice in this series at that. But the Giants really haven't had an offensive explosion like the Dodgers have in this series. The Dodgers have scored nine runs and seven runs, respectively, in their two wins in this series. Whereas the Giants have scored four, two, one, and two in this series. So adding all that up, that is seven runs across four games and the Dodgers have scored 16, and they got shut out twice, right? So I definitely think there's more of the potential there for the Dodgers to explode on the scoreboard than there is for the Giants. The Giants are heavily relying on their pitching, whereas I think that plays a little bit more into the Braves' strength where they have had at times their bats disappear. But for the most part, pitching has been something they've been able to hang their hat on, especially late here in the season. So I think that's that's another thing that I was just looking at some of the results here recently. Postseason results, I, right now the Giants are a little cold, but you never know. They could end up exploding for some more for some more points. So that's it for our Making Headlines segment. We'll come back on the other side of this break and pick some more NFL games. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Seven minutes until our conversation with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer. Before we get there, we're going to take a look at our Sunday showdown, making some picks for the NFL games happening this upcoming week. Lance sitting at, let's see if I can find my notes real quick. Lance is in first place, 32 and 19. I am in second at 31 and 20. All we've done so far is pick the Thursday night matchup. Both of us taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Philadelphia Eagles. Now let's go into the NFC North. Green Bay Packers at Chicago Bears. This is going to be a really fun matchup tonight, I think. Uh, with the with the Bears playing with Justin Fields, look, the, Chicago still has a pretty decent defense. Even though Justin Fields and the offense has been uh, almost not on the road, something I didn't think they were going to be able to do. Now at home, Packers favored by five. Look, I want to take Chicago in this matchup, 
but the offensive ineptitude of this team kind of holds me back. I'm going to take the Packers to win this game on the road. I just don't like the way that Chicago is playing offense right now, and I think Aaron Rodgers is able to clutch this one out. I think you can peg this game to finish with about 24 points, 20 points maybe for the Packers. I think that's where I would see this team score. You look at how this game breaks down from a statistics standpoint, the Bears give up 359 total yards per game. The Packers put up 362 total yards per game, 261 through the air. Bears give up 255. These two teams are very even in terms of offense versus defense. And the Bears defense at this point is giving up about 20 a game. Based on the statistics, I wouldn't expect the Packers to score too much more than that. But on the flip side, while this Packers defense is giving up 24 points allowed per game, I also don't think that the Bears have a whole lot there on the offensive side of the football, especially with the absence of a passing game at this point, to be able to test the Packers. Give me Green Bay to win this football game. But it is kind of shocking to see after what we witnessed from Chicago after the first three weeks, it is kind of shocking to see this team at three and two. They're undefeated at home, two and zero. Oh. That could play a little bit of a factor into it if you're looking for a reason to pick the Bears to win this game. Still moving along with some more NFL picks here. We got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Washington football team. The the Kansas City Chiefs need some type of bounce back game in, in a in a desperate sort of way, two and three right now. Washington's defense has been very, very bad this season, and I think that's the reason why uh, Kansas City, even though they have a terrible defense of their own, is just simply going to be able to put up more points than Washington can. Give me Patrick Mahomes to get it right in this game. I'm going to take Kansas City on the road. He's forcing the issue a little bit more this season than we've seen over the course of his career, that being Patrick Mahomes. Six interceptions through five games at this point. It's a lot. It's a lot for Patrick Mahomes at this stage. He hasn't been as good in the month in the, in the early months of this season in September and October as we're used to seeing out of Patrick Mahomes, but I don't trust this Washington football team to be able to take advantage of the mistakes that the Kansas City Chiefs are doing at this point. Washington giving up a lot of points on defense as well. It's going to be an it's going to be a track meet. I don't know if this thing I don't I don't I don't know if it's going to be close per se. I think let's see what the lines at six and a half to the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. I wouldn't be shocked if they cover. I think that this football team may be about to uh, maybe about to fall away a little bit. They need some they need their schedule lighten up a little bit for them to stay in that race in the NFC East. So I am going to take the Chiefs in this game as well moving on still in the noon slate of games on sunday minnesota vikings at the carolina panthers line is currently sitting at one and a half and look minnesota has been really competitive so far this season they've just not been able to capitalize in a lot of different games they're coming off a close win against the lions uh, Lions, I believe it's the second week in a row that they've lost to a, a walk-off. The old goal really hurts there. The Panthers, 3-2 and two right now, just lost at home to the Eagles last week, a game that I didn't think that they would be able to lose. Sam Darnold, six touchdowns, six interceptions so far this season. Give me Minnesota to finally get over the hump on the road. I just don't trust this Carolina Panthers team after seeing two weeks in a row where they have just not been able to get it done. And at home against the Eagles, it, it, it just kind of, it's, it's a little disappointing to me. Give me Minnesota. 
Both of these teams are looking for their, quote, breakthrough game, similar to how we've been talking about Auburn and maybe Carolina's playing this Arkansas role and Minnesota's playing this Auburn role in our hypothetical of what we were talking about earlier in that matchup. Minnesota's still kind of looking for that breakthrough game. I think they have more pieces to do it than Carolina at this point. And maybe some of the seeds of doubt settle again with Carolina after two performances that haven't been optimal for them. Now, they've been close to looking to get over the hump against some good teams. But this Minnesota defense is turning the corner a little bit over their last three games. They gave up 17 to the Seahawks, seven or excuse me, 14 to the Browns and 17 to the Lions. And two of those offenses aren't bad. The Seahawks and the Browns have some good some good players on the offensive side of the football. The first two weeks may have not have gone to plan for the Vikings, which has buried them into this two and three hole. But I'll go with the Vikings as well in this matchup with the Panthers. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. A hundred percent. We don't really have a whole lot of time for any other picks here as we're about to have to head to a break. We've done four picks so far. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears to lose to the Green Bay Packers. Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings are selections. You and I have not veered off just yet. No, we've not. And we've got a few more games to pick here coming up later on in the show. And again, I just really hope, I really hope that we're able to kind of keep things even uh, heading on throughout the year. I just think that would be really, really funny uh, to look at the end of the year and be like, oh, we're, we're tied. Interesting. On the other side of this break, we've got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer. We'll get his thoughts on Auburn's game against Smith Station this weekend and Auburn High's basketball season, which is coming up in a few weeks. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to us here on the Thursday edition of the show. Talked a little Auburn football earlier today, breaking down the pivotal matchups at Auburn's game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. But now we're going to talk about the Auburn High School Tigers and their matchup with the Smith Station Panthers tomorrow with Auburn High Sports Network. Play-by-play announcer Scott Bagwell. Scott, how you doing today, my man? Good, Noah. How are you doing? Doing really well. I, uh, I I hope I'm not getting you at a bad time. Is it is it basketball practice or are you prepping for the game tomorrow? Uh, actually, right now I'm prepping for my junior high game. Uh, we it, I coach junior high football as well. We play Smith Station tonight. Um, first day of basketball practice, official basketball practice is Monday, the 18th. So uh, it's 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 right around the corner. Believe it or not. Well, let's talk about varsity game tomorrow at Smith Station on the road. Smith Station having one of their worst seasons in recent memory. I know they have been towards the bottom of the barrel in Region 2 over the last couple of years, but this year they seem to be struggling a little bit more than normal. 1-6 and six on the year, 0-4, oh just lost to Jeff Davis. Yeah, um, it's it's been a tough year for uh, Smith Station, they uh, had a winnable game to start the year. Their only win came against Columbus, who was dealing with COVID issues. It's just been one of those things um, where they kind of haven't been able to get anything going this year. But, uh, you know, I, I know Mike Glisson, and, and he'll have Smith Station ready to go. They played Enterprise straight up last week. It was 49-35, to 35 and, and Enterprise scored a touchdown late to give them that two-score lead. So, 
you know, just because they're kind of um, not having their best season, I expect Smith to play well. Um, you know, Enterprise, we've seen, they're legit. And for them to go toe-to-toe uh, with the Wildcats means that uh, that uh, Smith Station hasn't folded up and, and Coach Glisson has his team uh, playing pretty well right now. What's this Smith Station team look like on film at this point? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where they're just trying to identify who they need to get the ball to. Um, and I think they've done that. They scored 30 points against Ben Russell, scored 35 against Enterprise. Um, and at the beginning part of the year, they were trying to figure that part out. You know, no, got shut out against Central, eight points against Prattville. But the last two weeks, they, they've kind of figured out what they want to do on offense, and, and they're starting to get it rolling a little bit. This is a team that you pointed out has played competitive against some good football teams on lost by a touchdown to Russell County, 14 to Enterprise. Jeff Davis, not that great, but still uh, only nine points there in a loss and then three to what is a not a very good 6A side in Benjamin Russell. But they are competitive at this point. Auburn, though, coming off of a bye week and a loss to Central two weeks ago. Where's this Auburn team at as far as their headspace? You know, I think if we get at the right time, and that's not really from a loss to central standpoint, that's from a six straight games, uh, need the off week to get ready, get prepared for the road stretch. Um, and I think Smith Station is kind of a good team to play, not in the sense that they're not playing well, but one of the things that Auburn needs to do well is um, Auburn needs to, to show up their pass defense a little through for over 300 yards against Enterprise, three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. So I think Smith Station is going to try to challenge Auburn through the air. And again, for Central, their big plays were in the pass game. Auburn really thought to stop uh, for the most part against the Red Devils, but gave up some big plays. Um, so that's going to be big for Auburn to uh, to, to shore up uh, this week as they play Smith. This is probably the last time that Auburn is going to play a non-playoff team. Auburn's clinched the playoffs first. The, the Region 2, 14, in the playoffs, um, unless I'm reading or set, it's going to be Central as the one, and now the seating will change. It's Auburn Private Enterprise. be seated where? But So after this week's it's Enterprise. Enterprise is a playoff team. Then it's IMG, even though they're not a playoff team, the number two team in the country, and then it's the playoffs. So this is the last week to quote-unquote get right for Auburn High. So this is a big week. Auburn University picked up yet another commit from Auburn High School. Drew Bobo committed to the Tigers. What should Auburn University fan ex- fans expect uh, from Drew, Drew Bobo? Um, you know, I got to know Drew a little bit over the summer. Uh, one, he's a great guy, great kid. Um, the other thing is he's extremely versatile. Right now playing left tackle. Uh, he's he's comfortable moving inside to play guard, and he even practices center for Auburn High. So uh, he he's going to be able to play all the spots where all wherever Auburn thinks that he can play first is probably where they're going to end up putting him. Um, but I think he projects as more of an interior guy at the next level. There's a mean streak about it on the field. Uh, he had a game earlier this year with double digit pancakes, I believe. Uh, you, you can go in and watch his film, and when he gets his hand on you, he gets going. Uh, there, there's a mean finish streak in Bobo, and uh, I think Auburn High got a good one.
our Auburn University got a good one from Auburn Hunt. Last three games here of the season, how do you want to see this Auburn team finish? Um, I want to see the defense, uh, you know, do what they do, fly around the ball, fly around the field, get turnovers, um, and and set up short field because I think that we've seen in high school football, if your defense can set up short fields, it makes it so uh, so much easier to score. You know, it, it's tough to go down and, and drive the field. Really, offense. So you could say that's something that Auburn needs to change. They got to find a way to get some explosion plays um, for the run game and the pass game. They're starting to get more of it against the upper tier, against Auburn High, against Central. And if you want to look at winning a state title against the Thompson or Hoover and even getting there a fair hope, it's tough to go seven, eight, nine, ten plays. And even Central didn't do that against Auburn. They had a big 60-yard touchdown short field. And then uh, they had another one where I, I guess it was six or seven plays, but they still had some big plays in there. Um, so Auburn's going to have to find a way to either create short fields for their offense or their offense needs to get uh, um, and, and sprinkled in there. Junior quarterback Clyde Pittman, what's his development looked like even through this bye week up to this point, seven games of the season and his first year starting? You know, he's he's played well for the most part against Central. Uh, you know, the offensive line broke down a little bit, probably put the ball where he didn't want to a couple of times. Um, and so I know some people are going to say, well, you know, you know, turn the ball over a couple of times. Uh, you know, you know, maybe there's a little bit of controversy. And that, there's none of that. Auburn Hyde trust Clyde. And Clyde took a lot of steps forward leading up to the Central game. And I expect him to take steps forward uh, at the end of the year. He's protected the ball for the most part. Um I think he's up around 12 touchdowns and just four or five interceptions and only two of those since week three. So uh, he's starting to, he's starting to get a feel for it. Central game was big in, in the fact that it showed the, the team, especially on the offensive side, Hey guys, you know, there were times where the running backs weren't right. And the offensive line created a hole. The times where the, the, the hole doesn't get created times where, quarterback maybe left the pocket a little bit too soon or, or, you know, eyes went to the wrong spot. Just an opportunity to say, hey, you know, we've talked about this. If we can get beat, Auburn wasn't clean against Central and Central took advantage and got the win. So uh, it's something to watch going the next three weeks and in the playoffs. You know, get their timing and everything else right. Say what? Keys to the game against Smith Station? Oh, uh, take care of the ball. No turnovers. I think that's the biggest one. Do not turn the ball over. And then, uh, Scott, before we let you get out of here, I want to know, what are you seeing from some of these other Region 2 teams as the playoff picture is beginning to shake out a bit? How's this region unfolding outside of Auburn? The Central is good. Um, they got a defensive line that is going to give anybody all kind of problems. And I'm talking about Hoover, Thompson, Fairhope, anybody in the state the central D-line might be the best D-line in the state. They are really, really good. And then they got a, an explosive receiver as well, good backs, an experienced quarterback in Knicks. Central's really good. And right now with the win over Auburn at Auburn, they're that number one team, not only in the region, but to me in the south, in the southern part of 7A. Uh, central looks the part, but I know Auburn uh, would look 
opportunity to go to Phoenix City and, and try to get some revenge. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can hear the broadcast tomorrow night. We'll be on in, in Auburn, in the Auburn area, Wings 94.3, uh, airtime 630 with pregame show kickoff at 7. Also on the Wings uh, FM app and on wingsfm.com. Scott, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a great afternoon. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. That was Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer here with us on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Lance, some takeaways there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, he mentioned this being a get-right game for Auburn in my notes. I actually had this listed. It's like this feels like Auburn's get-right game after losing to Central last weekend. And so, yeah, it was just interesting to see, like, what are some of the things Auburn can clean up? Looming in the distance are the playoffs. What can Auburn expect in the playoffs as they are just a couple of weeks away? Interesting to see about Drew Bobo. Talked about his versatility. That's something that I'm excited about. I've heard a couple of different people say, even though uh, Scott was there was saying he plays, plays left tackle for Auburn, I've heard some people say that he may potentially play center for Auburn University. Uh, so he's very versatile. They've moved him around on the line. I would expect Auburn to definitely take a look at his skill set and see where he best works out, potentially center, as I just mentioned. So, yeah, this needs to be a bounce-back game for Auburn this weekend against Smith Station. They've got to get some things cleaned up heading into the playoffs. And then, again, excited to have Drew Bobo. Some other high school football games happening around Auburn's region tomorrow night. Central Phoenix City is at Dothan High. Dothan at three and four on the year, one and three, of course. We know how good Central is undefeated on the year. Could be one of those. They are, not could be. They are one of the state championship contenders down the line this season when it gets to playoff time. Prattville at five and three. They are on a bye week, third in the region at this point. Enterprise at fourth. They are six and two, two and two. They will be hosting Jeff Davis down there in Enterprise. Alabama and then of course Smith Station Auburn in that region tomorrow night uh, still trying to look around and see if there's other big matchups happening in high school football tomorrow. Thompson will be hosting a 6-1 and one Oak Mountain side from inside their region that could play a big part but I'll tell you that Thompson team's even better than they were last year so uh, good luck right that's it for this segment right here. Just spoke with Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network, play-by-play announcer. When we come back, we'll continue to pick NFL games and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line. Last segment of On the Line here on the Thursday edition of the show. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network, play-by-play announcer for joining us there in that previous segment. If you missed any of today's show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Following us here, we've got The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Bama. Last segment here, we're getting into NFL picks or wrapping up those NFL picks, rather. Sunday showdown, Lance 32 and 19 on the year on 31 and 20 as we rumble along into the last game of the noon window and then into the afternoon and night games on Sunday. Los Angeles Chargers at Baltimore Ravens, 12 p.m. CBS. Game of the week. Absolutely game of the week. This should be a lot of fun. Would really encourage people to tune into this game. I'm going to take the Chargers and let me explain. Baltimore 
for the past three straight games has struggled at different intervals, and it's taken an overtime win against the Colts to come back, and it's taken a walk-off field goal that literally broke NFL history to beat the Lions, and sandwiched in between that is a game against the Broncos. I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game because they are just, it feels like they're on a hot streak against teams that are more competitive. The Chiefs, the Raiders, the Browns, they've won three straight against them. They lost to the Cowboys in week two. I like what Justin Herbert's doing. I like what this offense is doing. This team is way more complete than I would have expected heading into the season at this point. Give me the Chargers on the road to get it done against the Ravens who have been surviving recently. I like that pick. I think that's a really good pick right there. Charges, you you didn't have to explain it to me, man. Go Bolts, man. I like this team a lot. It's unfortunate that the Browns lost to them last week, especially with the way that the Browns played. But the Chargers are winning in a lot of different ways right now. And Justin Herbert, man, is he emerging as a potential MVP candidate this early in his career? Really like that guy. I'll take the Chargers and this one as well. 3.05 p.m. on Fox, Cardinals at my Browns. All right. I don't know what you're picking. But I'm going to pick Arizona to win this game on the road. I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. I don't know what you're picking. 5-0 and no on the year. Kyler Murray and this team have managed to just, just win. They've just won. They beat the Rams a couple weeks ago. They barely beat the 49ers this past weekend. I don't like what the Browns are doing so far. By the way, I don't know if you saw the headline earlier, but this could potentially be Odell Beckham Jr.'s last season in Cleveland. I know you're saying, Noah, thank goodness, let's trade him for somebody. Uh, but but I like what Arizona's doing right now. They're on a roll. Give me the Cardinals to win on the road in what could be uh, a low-scoring game, in my opinion. You know what I'm thinking, Lance? I'm thinking I've seen that headline for each of the last three or four seasons that he's been there. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Um, and, and honestly, like as long as Jarvis Landry's healthy, I'm a happy man. Uh, and unfortunately, he hasn't been too healthy this year. But you've got some guys banged up a little bit. It's getting to that point in the season. Browns have a couple of guys that are getting onto their injury report. But the same can be said about the Arizona Cardinals. Right now, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray listed as questionable. Will those guys end up playing? Probably. But just to kind of put in perspective, both of these teams are banged up a little bit. I'm going to take the Browns at home in this game, not just because I like the Browns, but also the Browns are playing good football. We had worries about where this Brown offense was at after how they played against the Vikings. And what they do? They became the first team in NFL history to lose after scoring 40 points and having over 500 yards. Browns at home, undefeated in First Energy Stadium. Cardinals may be undefeated on the road, but streaks are meant to die. Give me Cleveland at home. We got to pick differently at some point. This is the game to do it. I'll ride with the Brownies. Raiders at Broncos, 325 p.m. CBS. This is a game that I don't really like. Both these teams, three and two. Raiders without their head coach now. I'm going to take the Broncos to win this game at home simply because of all the outside distractions with the Raiders right now. There's not really much other reason other than that. I know the Broncos haven't been very great this season. But, yeah, at home, with all the distractions around L.A., give me the Broncos to win at home. So I've picked the Broncos each of the last two weeks, and they've lost. I'm abandoning them here because I'm choosing to believe that the Las Vegas Raiders will rally in this situation. Sometimes these things can pull a team together, and maybe that central figure will be Derek Carr 
rather than, I mean, this is going to test some of his leadership skills. Maybe that central figure will be Derek Carr rather than this Broncos team that's on a little bit of a slide right now. Who are they rallying around? Are they rallying around Teddy Bridgewater? Is there a central figure for the Denver Broncos to push this team of the edge? But I'll say this, watch the Broncos win now that I haven't picked them. That could just be the way that things go, but I am going to go with the Raiders here. Man, this is the first week you and I picked two games different. It's a big deal. It's going to be fantastic when we come in uh, on Monday and it's like, well, now we're tied because we may split the the difference one and one. So we're just tied and we're just going to keep that consistent theme going throughout the rest of the year. All right. Last three games here. We got to get through them quick. Cowboys at Patriots, 325 p.m. CBS. Patriots are not playing as well as I thought they would. Mac Jones hasn't been terrible. He's not been terrible this season. Give me the Cowboys offense to get them over the hump on the road. They're favored by three and a half points. I think they cover. I think the Cowboys went on the road as well. Two words, Dak Prescott. I like this team a lot. This this team eventually could get to the point where they could be NFC contenders. Let's go to our last two games here. Seahawks at Steelers, 7.20 p.m. NBC. Uh, well, now that Russell Wilson is out, I think Noodle Arm definitely has a shot in this game. But I'm still going to take the Seahawks to win on the road just simply because I don't pick Noodle Arm to win a lot of games. <laughs> and I'm referring to Ben Roethlisberger. Anybody out there listening, I'm referring to Ben Roethlisberger. He, does not, he, is, he is in the waning years of his career. I'll take the Seahawks as well. I don't feel great about it, especially after Russell Wilson got hurt. But I'll rock with the Seahawks. Geno Smith looked pretty good, too. Last game to pick here before we get out of here. Bills at Titans, 7.15 p.m. This is Monday Night Football on ESPN. Since the loss in week one to the Steelers, the Bills have been on fire offensively. They beat the Chiefs 38-20 to last week. Titans, 3-2, and two, just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 37-19. The week prior, they lost to the Jets in overtime. I'm going to take the Bills to win this game. I think they cover that 5.5-point line. This Buffalo team is on a roll right now, and you talk about MVP candidates. I think Justin Herbert from the Chargers is one. You also, I think, have to look at Josh Allen as a potential candidate as well. I'm going to go Bills. They're dominating teams, but, you know, at some point they're going to lose, and the Titans could be a team that could do it, but I'll take the Bills as well, even though I don't feel great about it. So there are all of our NFL picks, and we are almost out of here. we got about a minute left in the show. Lance, final thoughts, final takes before we get out of this place? Well, I want to say, go back to what we were starting uh, talking about at the beginning of the show. I think Auburn definitely has the opportunity to establish the run early against Arkansas. We'll get to preview that game a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, we'll, got, we'll get Christian Clemente of the Auburn uh, AuburnSports.com in here with us. Going to get to get to some college football picks. My favorite day of the week. It's going to be really exciting. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.